Welcome into the Forum Club. I'm Bill Oram, joined by Anthony Slater. The Lakers lead 2-1 in their best-of-seven series against the Houston Rockets uh, on the backs of Rajon Rondo and LeBron James. Slater, it was a great night for the old guys. And in honor of old guys, we welcome in Sam Amick, our NBA insider in the bubble. Bill Oram, the oldest young guy I know. Thank you, my friend, for that humbling introduction. Slater, you're my favorite member of this podcast now. Thanks for having me, guys. No my work problem. is done. Yes. No, he's... Uh... And he's the one at like, you know, the kids paradise in, in Disney World, although I keep hearing it is like a horrendous place for kids right now because the park's not actually open. It's like torture. It is. No, we, we went fishing the other day and uh, and actually that was the highlight of the trip. So I can't complain about that. But to, to your points later, we're on this fishing boat and it was myself and the one and only Mark Medina and our fishing guide, JB. And because uh, I'm a Disney guy, Disneyland over Disney World, but I look off in the distance and I see Space Mountain, and uh, it was a little painful. You can't get to it, can't go on it, and uh, so yeah, I think the kids would be would be definitely tortured. So should we call you Sam A. Mickey? <laughs> so what was the over under on on terrible Bill puns? We're still at zero. There hasn't been a terrible one yet. It was definitely two minutes yeah, before his first fair. one, and I think he hit the under. Right. I heard you. T- I don't remember. You know, I'll even shout out your podcast. It might have been on your podcast, Tampering. Everybody listen, the Athletic NBA show. But I heard you talking about um, seeing a bunch of like players, coaches, you know, just around campus, and like the uniqueness of that situation. Where I think you were saying, like, you saw Mike Malone riding on a bike. Um, what, tell me a little bit about that. Like, what is the vibe there? How often do you see players? Do you ever see the Lakers running around? Like, like what's the situation? There? Yeah, no, it's, it's very real and very bizarre. And honestly, it's, it's, uh, it's another highlight. I mean, there's stuff that's challenging out here. That stuff is, is neat. Um, just cause we don't get to see these guys in that kind of element. Um, so there is a path around the perimeter of the bubble that I probably need to write about at some point. It's basically become like this kind of communal walking, biking area where even though we are restricted to our particular quadrant of the bubble, it's a little bit of a loophole where on the perimeter, you can go stretch your legs and and get a little bit of exercise. And if you go the right time of day, and I'm not exaggerating, on on one walk, you might run into Eric Spolstra and Nick Nurse and Michael Malone's usually on the bike. Uh, it's, it's a very coach-heavy crowd. Brad Stevens is one of the regulars. So, I mean, there's that stuff. There's, you know, then the late-night hours, a lot of times we will uh, write and convene uh, in our little quadrants, but but out by the lake. There's a bar that they've kind of let us have. Um, but it's a, it's kind of – it butts right up against the, the player-coach area. So this is perfect for this audience. Uh, last night, uh, pretty late, we looked up and there were some – music rock and some dude had his uh his pill with him you know a speaker that he was listening to something and we look up and, and kyle kuzma was making his way you know back to his hotel room uh, with his significant other winnie so you see that a lot i mean when the jazz got bounced from the playoffs by the nuggets uh you know joe ingles and rudy gobert stopped by to say hello so Again, not not the normal interactions from, from the job that we do. Sam, I have, a, I have a question, and we'll get to the Lakers stuff in just a minute, but this is a question that's kind of been on my mind as I was thinking about having the opportunity to, to chat with you in this in this setting. And it's not something you and I have talked about um, offline, which um, makes it, I think, even even richer. No problem at all. Thank you. I appreciate it. Right here, 2272. Sam, do you want to fill the people in on what, what's happening on your end right now? <laughs> well, this nice gentleman... 
who doesn't realize he's on a podcast. Uh, I got locked out of my room. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Take care. You too. Uh, yeah, so there's a magic magic band. Sorry for the background noise, boys. Um, there's a Disney band you guys have seen that you have to wear, and that is basically your room key. So Sam left his room today and was trying to go get tested, which is another part of the daily process. And I left the band in the room. So I've been sitting outside the room for about 20 minutes. They just saved me. And I'm back in, and now I'm, I'm departing. But it is—it's crazy, guys. Like you, you get used to it. But one of the things that you just lived in real time is like there are a lot of boxes you have to check every day to make sure that you are a a welcome member of the bubble. Meaning, got to have the band on, got to have your credential on, got to have your mask on, got to make sure you test every day. You know, you every day you'll you'll see one of our media colleagues who forgot to test, and they might actually have to leave a game and jump on a shuttle bus and run back later in the day to go test. Because if you don't, then you're going to be sidelined for a day. So um, that part, obviously, I'm still getting used to, and and there's there's a lot. Danielle House was sidelined for a day. I, I, you know, I don't know exactly what that was about, but yeah, it is uh, the the interesting thing is is um, something like that. I remember in the seeding games, what it was like Porzingis? I think missed a test one time and had to miss a game. There's a few other players, but yeah, that's definitely an, another wrinkle into all this. Sam, you've been in the bubble. You've been in the bubble for uh, is it a, is it a week now that you that you've been out of quarantine and and been kind of our man on the ground there, uh, swapping in for Joe uh, Joe Varden, who was there for the first half. Yeah, I mean it's about ten days. Uh, the date I have in my mind is so August twentieth. I left Sacramento. Um, and then 22nd, I went inside the bubble for quarantine, do seven days. Uh, you know, and I talked about this yesterday on, on my pod, had a had a little bit of a tough ending to the quarantine where I uh, got slapped with an extra day unofficially. So eight days of quarantine for your guy here. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's been about nine days that I've been on the field working. Uh, so this is such an interesting time, I think, the second round of the playoffs, because, you know, from past playoffs covering the Warriors, uh, I always love the second round because I mean, there's four series going on at once. You can and, and they become better series, right? Because you typically eliminate some of the worst teams that don't really have a any type of title shot. Um, and then the 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 series you cover is always paired with an Eastern Conference series, um, and you, you can watch that pregame in the locker room on the TV, and then. Uh, you know, cover your game. And then during your off day, when you're in whatever city, uh, you could watch the, the other two series. What this is, I, I just, I'm asking it to you this way, because this is an even crazier scenario where you can not only, you know, watch the series you're covering, but then you just, what, like walk across the parking lot, basically, and go to the Eastern Conference playoffs? Like, uh, and, and we can get into the Lakers series, but, um, you know, how cool is it? You know, you can go to a Bucks playoff game, and then you can walk over and go to a Lakers playoff game. It's cool, and, and I, you know, I hate to admit it, too. It's it's cool, but it's also exhausting because you've got so much on the plate and you have practices every day, too. That honestly, in terms of content, storytelling, what we do, a lot of times that yields, you know, better, more original stuff than the games. Um, now, as I say that, I can feel and hear our guy, Joe Barden, rolling his eyes at me saying, oh, Sam, there's too much for you to cover because he was here when it, when it was 22 teams. And I cannot fathom the logistical nightmare that he did such a a good job of navigating. But it is insane to have those games are physically about 300 yards apart. 
Um, last night, so two arenas, they're down to using two arenas at the uh, ESPN we're a wide world of sports complex and it really is like you, you leave one game, the Bucks are eliminated. Uh, you walk down the road and Lakers Rockets is already most of the time, like in the second quarter. So, you know, the other night, for, for example, Kawhi and the Clippers are in one building and I'm watching that game against the Nuggets. And right down the road, I had just gotten done watching the Raptors survive without Kawhi. And, and the kind of the combination of those two storylines was just unique because it's uh, all in the same spot. So, it is, and you know, I and mean, we get into the viewing experience too, where uh, you know it's taken some getting used to because the energy is just not there. The team's trying to bring it, but you know we're sitting there on press row, where this is a little bit of a bummer because you guys know I'm a pretty social guy. We all get along, so we'll sit on press row and and BS at games and have a good time. But because everybody's got the mask on, it's very quiet on press row, and then it's very loud in the arena with the music. So. A super, super different experience. We will be back after this. Sam, we're all trying to cover this thing uh, in, in our own way. And, you know, obviously Slater and I are doing it from home right now. You were doing it from home for the first five months. And it's just a very different experience than what we're used to in this business. And um, the thing that has kind of struck me about the, the, the difference for those of you who are inside the bubble um, is the opportunity to be face to face with people again and to have those conversations and organic conversations that were such a big part of, you know, our day to day, you know, in the in the old days. Right. We'd go in the locker room. Players would be at their locker. You'd walk up and talk to them on the record or not. Um, you know, we would talk to Frank Vogel face to face three times uh, on a game day. Uh, shoot, shoot around pregame and postgame. And just the, the world's kind of been turned upside down. Um, and even if you're in the bubble, it's not the same. But but you you have done a great job of 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 doing some unique reporting, a lot of one on ones with um, you know key players. A great one with Jimmy Butler, a, you know, a good one with, with Jared Dudley that everyone who's listening to this podcast would certainly be interested in. Uh, probably has already read. Um, but I'm just wondering for you, after five months of of trying to do this remotely, living the Zoom life that Slater and I now know so well, um, working the phones, just what's been the human experience of Finally having the freedom to, and again, I know it's not the same because there are restrictions in place. The locker room's not open. It's very different. Right. But what's been the human experience of getting just to have face-to-face interviews and, and, and talk to people again? No, yeah, I hear you 100%, Bill. It's been really nice, um, and it is better than I thought it would be. Uh, is it restricted? Yes. Uh, but like you said, I've already had some success when it comes to the interview side. Just on the human side, you know, seeing familiar faces and friends, Again, uh, and you do have little opportunities to behave, quote unquote, normally. Like at night, you know, if you're sitting around <clears throat> having a glass of wine outside, you can take your mask off for a minute and, and kind of, you know, just relax like we tend to do on road trips. Uh, seeing, again, I go back to the idea that the entire NBA or the, the teams that are still alive, being in one spot, it's just incredibly high profile people, players, coaches, executives in this community all in one spot. Um, you know, yesterday, casually dropping by Nuggets practice and, and laughing when you see Michael Malone going in on Patrick Beverly and then saying hello to Michael on the side afterwards. Um, the executive stuff has really been invaluable for me, to be honest, because as long as I've done this, uh, you have certain part like areas of the league in terms of 
different people from certain teams that you just never took the time to make progress with on certain relationships. And now you kind of have no excuse. I mean, you're all in this thing together to an extent. Uh, I think about teams like the Raptors where I've known Masai Ujiri for a long time, but Bobby Webster is a guy that I don't interface with that much. And he's out there and say hello to Bobby and Adam Simon from Miami Heat, a guy who is an up and coming executive. So that stuff has been great. And it's, it's honestly making it easier when it comes to the sacrifice of being away. As you guys know, I got a family at home and it's not easy to leave for seven weeks, eight weeks. Um, but the reality is that there was a certain tension that came with trying to do what we do at home, which is, you know, I, I feel a certain responsibility for everybody on our staff because I know every, everybody at our place would love to be out here doing this. So it, it has been nice. Uh, let's get into Lakers Rockets a little bit. You know, I know, again, you're, you, you've suddenly been dropped into every NBA playoff series imaginable, which, again, I can't, uh, you know, fathom. But... That you know, Lakers Rockets is I would probably say the most high profile of the second round series. Now the Giannis situation took on a story of its own, uh, and has now you know has obviously been dispatched. So you could probably focus more particularly on those nights on Lakers Rockets. But um, what have you seen in person so far down there on this series? This kind of like stylistic clash uh, with you know superstars dotting the sidelines everywhere, and Lakers obviously just pushed up two one. Um, what's kind of been your early initial observations uh, from uh, you know Ground Zero? Real quick, guys, just for local context, if, if that buzzing is coming through in the background, it's, it's good uh, Orlando color. We have the cicadas that are occasionally chiming in. Cicadas? That reminds me of my Oklahoma days, cicadas. <laughs> Listen, there, there's some creatures out yes. there. Cicadas, last night, last night when I was out way too darn late, uh, I'm walking back to my hotel room, and I put this on Instagram, and there was a huge raccoon just tearing up somebody's food. And this is on the second level. So I'm sitting there going, oh, boy, I don't need to fight with a raccoon before I go to bed. Uh, somebody saw an armadillo the other day on campus. There's alligators around here. So you got to watch your back. Um, the series, you know, listen, I love this series. The stylistic clash, like you said, Slater, is fascinating. Um, the way the Lakers, you know, and I love LeBron's candor after game one, as he discussed them essentially getting caught off guard by the rocket style, uh, the rocket speed, you know, really more so the speed than the style. And, and so it was like right out the gate, like, Oh boy, okay, we got a series here. And then they responded and, you know, the Rondo game and game three is definitely not something that a lot of folks predicted. Um, and in Houston in particular, you guys are all over the Lakers front all the time, but the Rockets, you know, they are, to me, uh, if you talk about teams with the widest variance and possible outcomes here in the bubble, they might be Houston because, you know, I, there is a world that exists where I could see them raising the trophy at the end and actually being the team that, that gets all the way to the finish line. And I know that sounds crazy because they have so many weaknesses. And, and Slater, you covered Russ for so many years and we've already seen kind of good Russ and bad Russ on different nights. Um, but Kind of star power and, uh, and obviously a pretty good series. Yeah. What's been interesting so far is like, you know, the Houston formula typically we thought, right, which is like hit a bunch of threes at a better percentage than they typically hit and they're going to win, uh, you know, a few games. But they actually have in their two losses, they've been 40% or above from three and they were like 
previously during the regular season 16 and 0 when they made 40 percent of their threes in the game because they're actually really not a very good accuracy team i think they're like you know fifth worst in the league like 34 percent. they just shoot a crazy volume historic volume um but they've been accurate in this series in the two losses um which to me like that would be a concerning stat for if you're houston like the lakers are playing us in our realm we're hitting threes although houston only took 30 last night which i think is a credit to the lakers defense really you know rotating while getting out closing out forcing a fewer amount of threes than usual but the, the Rockets are hitting them and still losing. Now, you flip that on the other side, Houston can say, yeah, let's see Rajon Rondo, you know, put put up three more performances like that. Um, but it, it's just, I, it's 2-1 Lakers, but it doesn't seem to me like these games have gone as I've expected them to. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. And more specifically on the Rockets side, um, something that I've started watching more closely and, you know, and it would advise folks who uh, are enjoying the series to do the same is the Westbrook dynamic within the context of Mike D'Antoni and James Harden. You know, I heard some stuff the other day that was fascinating about, you know, and again, Slater, this is your old Thunder life. It's like, you know, yeah, there have been moments in this series where Russ is, is uh, in, the, in the last series too, where he's saying, give me the damn ball and, you know, going off script. And it's not, I wouldn't by any means call it some sort of power struggle, but it, you know, it has shades of it. And, and James Harden has got to remember that on this team, he's the guy. And on this team, if they fall with Russ, you know, turning into bad Russ, it's going to fall on James uh, more than anybody. And, and that push and pull with D'Antoni trying to be the, uh, you know, kind of the, the man in the middle uh, is a lot because Mike's not confrontational. Uh, he is masterful when it comes to, you know, staying connected to his stars. Um, but I think that dynamic going for, uh, you know, forward in the series is going to play a part. Yeah. Uh, you know, Bad rust is definitely – it's weird. It's not even just like one night to the other. Good rust to bad rust. Like it's one quarter to the other right now. Last night he was like terrific early on, and then the second half was a problem. I think the Lakers, just like they did in the Portland series, like they really took Lillard out of it with the doubles and uh, the fact that, you know, and I know, Sam, me and you have talked about this, like Lillard, when he gives it up off the trap, his kind of inability to move off ball and how like you can really take him out of the game compared to, you know, I, I use Steph Curry as an example, but other stars. Harden kind of has the same issue. And, you know, the Lakers selectively, particularly with their smaller lineups now, they're basically they're J- Dwight Howard's out of the rotation. JaVel McGee's barely playing just to start games, and then he's being pulled. Um, they're selectively doubling Harden. And when Harden gives it up, he kind of is standing 20 20- nine feet from the hoop where he was doubled and he's out of the play. And yes, it creates an initial four on three that the Lakers need to scatter back to, but they have the personnel to do that. LeBron is flying around. Anthony Davis uh, is so long and active fly swatter back there. Uh, and then their guards are like just really energetic and focused right now. And um, they've kind of, I don't want to say taken Harden out of it because Harden still had some good stats, but there are pockets of the game, uh, important pockets of the game that, they feel like it seems that they can kind of just funnel it away from Harden and it, and uh, a large portion of Westbrook used possessions to them. I think they just view as wins. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I think within all of that, you got to start looking at James's fatigue because you're seeing fatigue hit a lot of teams right now. The Bucks talked about it last night. Uh, you have the uniqueness of the bubble with games every other day, and you could say. No travel, it's easier, but it's not as much rest time as you normally get during the playoffs. And you have, you know, the seeding games that led up to it. Now the Rockets obviously took the time 
and tried to just kind of not overburden their guys during that stretch. You know, again, it's going to be James is quickly becoming, not even becoming, he, he is on the short list of best players of all time in the NBA to have to not won a championship. And Russ is right there too, but he's come fairly close and his legacy has still got a chance to change it and to, to uh, to kind of rewrite the script here, but it's it's going to be an important week. Well, and and to that point, Sam, I mean, Game Four is essentially going to be the it, it, for the Rockets. It's the series, right? If if Houston can't get up off the mat in in Game Four and find a way to beat the Lakers here, um, you know, the Lakers are going to go to the conference finals. I just don't see I don't see the Lakers blowing a three one conf- series lead if if they can get there. Um, but I wrote today, Sam, that you could you could credibly say that the that you don't know that the Lakers win the last two games if not the performance of, of Rajon Rondo. And, you know, I know it was LeBron in the fourth quarter in game two with, with you know, going into attack mode, but it was also Rondo with his defense on on Harden and, and picking his pocket and knocking down that late jumper and just giving the Lakers super valuable fourth quarter minutes. And he, he obviously did it again at, a, at an even higher level in game three. The Lakers had eight straight possessions at the start of the fourth that Rondo either scored or assisted on. Um could you have seen this? I know you said you kind of alluded to this, but Rondo's 34 years old. He, you know, career lows across the board uh, since his rookie year this season. Um, you know, he's on a veteran's minimum. Expectations have been pretty low. And the Lakers kept saying, oh, in the playoffs, in the playoffs, in the playoffs, you'll see Rondo's value. But I think all of us who were around that team were were skeptical just because we hadn't even really seen the flashes much this year. You know, you've been around Rondo a lot in his career. Could you have? Could you have seen this? Are you saying shame on the people who who doubted Rondo, or are you right there and being surprised? No, I'm not. I mean, I'm I'm one of the people who doubted Rondo. You know, it's, and and the one thing that got my attention early on, talking to some Lakers people, was that I, I nobody could handicap how Rondo was going to play, but it was laid bare in the first round um, how much they missed him, just for the sheer fact that his absence jacked up their lineups and Frank Vogel. And even going back to the seeding games when they weren't playing very well, that Frank was having to experiment more than he wanted to. And it reached a point where you could tell that it was like, okay, this is not just experimentation. This is actually also uh, like it's a complete mystery to this coaching staff. And they're trying to figure out what, you know, how to best use this lineup without Rondo. Um, and it sounds sort of, you know, kind of uh, counterintuitive to talk about Rondo when you have a team that's struggling from the shooting department. Um, but you know, that's an area that, you know, he can get hot on and that's an area where, uh, you know, it has at least so far worked out. So, um, it's a puzzle like every team. And I think what we're seeing is that, you know, even with all the, uh, the shortfalls that this roster might have, it's a pretty important piece in it. And then you get into the playoff stuff and it's like, listen, experience matters and championship experience. And, and a guy who's on the back end of his career, but, you know, he's, he's not 39. He's 34. And if you see him walk down the street, he looks like an absolute physical specimen, you know. And, and so I, you can't expect 21 out of him every night. I don't even know if he would want that because it meant that he had to do media for once when he doesn't love talking to us. <laughs> but uh, it was definitely surprising. It's funny um, because Rondo maybe pull, has has pulled off one of the all-time great uh, media avoidances of the of, of in NBA history where he – I think he had he'd not talked to the media since March eighth, 
after the Lakers win over the Clippers. And then, of course, the season comes to um, a screeching halt. And then there's an injury. And then there's back spasms. And then the media rules are a little different in the bubble. So we didn't hear from him for those six months. It was fun to hear from him, frankly, because he's a smart guy. And, you know, and, you know, you can tell how much he relishes this matchup. And, you know, obviously he's famously competitive. But to your point about, about you know, the playoffs and, and where things get turned up, I mean, this is an area where being a smart player can can pay dividends where you know being able to think the game and 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 have a high basketball IQ can pay off because you're constantly making adjustments on the fly. LeBron talked about this specifically with Rondo where if you have two guys on the floor at once who can who can pick up what's happening and what needs to change on the fly and it's not coming from the bench you know, over the course of a seven-game series, that's going to win you possessions, and it's ultimately maybe going to win you some games. Yeah, it's an extra coach. It's, it's you know, we we talked about everything he's doing tactically, uh, but his voice, defensive captain of sorts, and the way that he knows you know, that end of the floor, uh, all that stuff comes into play. And and the Lakers have an environment too where the, you know the leadership element certainly you, you would say it starts with LeBron, but um, there's an openness between the stars. And the coaching staff, you know, is perfect for Rondo because he's always been so vocal. I mean, he's at his worst on teams where the coach is a control freak who doesn't want to let somebody like Rondo be heard. And that is not this team. You know, just a little slice of, you know, color for you guys on the Lakers front the other day. They recently opened these baseline media seats that have just been amazing. We were already close enough. And now you're talking about a legitimate 10 feet away from hardwood. And so I'm sitting there and I'm not that far from the Lakers bench. And, uh, and so this will be game two and LeBron second half, something happens. Uh, LeBron jumps off his seat and he's calling timeout. And it's like, you know, I know we've written about this in the past and make a big deal out of it. Oh, is he, is he circumventing the coach and this and that? And what, what I took from it was, and I had just never seen it, you know, so close up so close is just, they, you know, from Frank Vogel to Jason Kidd, to that staff, um, and then the, all these different voices I mentioned, this is how they function. And, you know, I think Rondo is a great fit, you know, within all of that. I also just think he's a, such a rotational upgrade of a, uh, from their two experiments that they tried, J.R. Smith and Deion Waiters, right. that sometimes um, you don't know what you missed till it's gone a little bit with, with Rondo, where, you know, yes, he's played unbelievable the last two games, but, you know, I think typically on average he is what he was in the regular season, which is like an okay extra guard off the bench. Right. But right now, an okay extra guard off the bench is much better than, you know, J.R. Smith, who feels like he is two years into retirement because he basically was when they pulled him, uh, you know, out of free agency. And then Deion Waiters, whose like career just really kind of seems to be floating to nowhere at this point. So, uh, I don't expect Rondo to keep giving them what he has lately, but it's just like I felt it from watching the the waiters attempts to the J.R. Smith minutes which in the first round, which you know didn't go anywhere, and then suddenly it was like, oh, they got a capable extra guard, and that's particularly important in this series. Yep, no, it is. Um, I got distracted this later. I'm going to keep you know injecting uh, bubble color into our. Please, that's why we have you on, right? We we, we you know we, we need something because we're used to being on the ground floor and we're just not there. So that's, that's why we got to get Sam Amick on the pod. So what I was going to say is if you know if you can sense the uh, the, the increased labor laborness of my speech, I, I chose to uh, since that path I mentioned before is kind of the only safe space where you can take your mask off. I thought, oh, okay, let me go do a little lap around the bubble and talk to the guys. And it is really damn hot out here. <laughs> it's hot. It's coming down with that Florida humidity. 
Um, and I'm also a little disappointed because I, I talked up the bubble and all the different NBA high-profile folks that you see on this path, and I must have not come out here early enough. It's very lonely out here. It's all strangers. I've seen a couple of folks pass by, but you know, I, I wish I had a, a Frank Vogel interaction to share with you, but no such luck. Frank Vogel's eating pepperoni pizza. He's not riding bikes. Uh, <laughs> this is an issue. I love when he – that was pretty great when – when he went down that road the other day, I just really appreciated the, uh, the, the uh, like willingness and comfort within who he is as a person to just own his love of pizza uh, and even tell people his routine, which is, I think he said he gets it at least once a week back home during normal time. So um, you can do both. I mean, I, I like pizza myself and get out here and work off that belly a little bit on, on the path. Let's pause to tell you about Roman. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually, we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Go to GetRoman.com forum today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com forum. GetRoman.com forum. Um, I want to talk LeBron a little bit, right? I mean, we haven't really dug into him much. He's arguably been the best player in the bubble in year 17. I mean, Kawhi is kind of... Uh, you know, they're on a collision course. Kawhi's kind of strangling the, the Nuggets right now. But uh, LeBron, 29 points in the first half to really kind of in the in the shootout of a first half. I thought he really kept him stable uh, with some of his jump shooting. Uh, and then the second half, you know, he didn't score a bunch, but that wasn't it, it, it wasn't a shootout in the second half. 51-38 was the final score, and he was the defensive star. Four blocks in the third quarter, um, and it wasn't just like that was his only defensive job. I thought he was flying around, which, you know, this is probably as good as I've seen him defensively since, uh, you know, maybe his 20s, uh, what he's done in the bubble. I don't know if he's refreshed, but I guess just guess – from being there, from being around the Lakers, from seeing LeBron in this like all basketball, all the time environment, um, what are you seeing? He looks remarkable. Uh, and again, I go back to this is the stuff that that will make you guys jealous, and that I'm trying to make sure I'm appreciative of is that watching the game from so close, as many years as I've covered LeBron, um, and also to not have kind of the mental distraction of. 17,000 people around you. And if you've got to go to the restroom, you're fighting through crowds. Like it's a very focused basketball viewing experience. And to see LeBron playing at this level, it's, I don't know how to put it into words. Uh, the dude is just unreal. And he's obviously incredibly motivated because the other part of this experience is that you start to get a sense for the vibe of all of these different players. And we will never be able to, to accurately chronicle which teams and which players, you know, had one foot in, one foot out mentalities because of um, the uniqueness of the bubble, because of whatever might have been happening in their personal life where they just weren't feeling it. The mental health stuff is real. LeBron, so far, just seems like he's taking all of it in stride. You know, I'm sure it has everything to do with, you know, him knowing that uh, these opportunities are not going to be here forever, that 
that he seems completely locked in on getting this thing all the way to the end. You know, I don't know if that was the case for Giannis. I don't know if that was the case for Paul George has talked at different times about how he struggled. So LeBron, you know, having that mentality and then also seeming to have obviously figured out how to hoop without the energy of the fans um, and how to treat this thing like the greatest AAU tournament of all time and go out there and, and what feels a little bit like a pickup setting uh, and get after it. And it's a joy to watch. And you, you said, Slater, the defensive side is a surprise because, you know, we kind of thought that his best days were behind him there. And there were years when it seemed like he wasn't even trying. So, I mean, if, if this is the guy they're going to get, then, you know, they're going to be an extremely tough out. Well, last year was the year, was especially the year where it felt like he wasn't trying defensively, even before that went completely downhill. And you saw... And you saw LeBron just completely checked out defensively. And, you know, I was I was certainly among those who was very curious to see what he was going to look like in year 17. If year 16 was just a, a rest year for him or if there was like maybe we were on the dawn of some sort of decline. And I mean, my God, we certainly weren't. Um, and, you know, to, to your point about the about the whole environment, LeBron is a guy who, you know, go back to early March when, you know, we were starting to become aware of the potential threat of coronavirus uh, impacting sports. LeBron was one of those guys who's like, I'm not playing without fans. I'm not going to go lock myself in a hotel for two months right. and finish the season. Um, he didn't he didn't like any of the proposals initially. And then you know, as obviously it became clear that this was necessary for the health of the league and to ha- if you were going to have a playoff, obviously he, bu- he bought in. But um, his commitment to the the product on the court is as good or better than what we've seen from him in st- in regular playoffs. I mean, it, it really has been um, incredible. And, and you know, 35 years old, he'll be 36 by the end of the year. And he did talk about last night, because I'd asked him how he and Rondo, you know, two guys who've been around the block, certainly, you know, summon the, you know, that extra sauce or whatever you want to call it at this stage of their careers when it's the playoffs, when the lights are shining brightest. And he said, kind of to your point, Sam, we don't know how many more chances we're going to get. You know, we've been around it long enough to, to see that, you know, the league, you know, moves on from veterans and, and tries to push guys like us to the side. And I don't think that's true for LeBron. I don't think anybody would be pushing a guy like LeBron James to the side. But for Rajon Rondo, sure, it sure has been the case. I mean, he's oh, been, yeah. he's been, I mean, I, I would argue he's been close to being out of the league um, going back before, right. before he you know, kind of got rejuvenated in New Orleans next to Anthony Davis. So, um you know, it's 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 fun. I mean, to be, I was I was joking in the open when I introduced you as uh, the the senior senior NBA insider. But it is it is fun and refreshing to see the Lakers um, win on the backs of a couple of guys who've been in the league for fourteen and seventeen years. Well, and I think it helps them too that they so clearly appear to like each other on this team because I and I haven't seen at least not yet anyways the opposite example. I haven't seen a team where you go, oh god. This is they're sideways and they're fractured and they're broken. But the Lakers appear to really like each other. There's another moment worth sharing the other day that spoke to the relationship and friendship between LeBron and AD. Um, LeBron asked AD, do you want me to wait for you? Because LeBron was about to bounce. AD still had to do media. I, again, they're stuck in the same environment. They, they usually go play video games and go have lunch, do whatever. So he says, do you want me to wait for you? And AD shrugged. Now, <laughs> Slater, by the way, uh, publicly congratulating you, newly married Anthony Slater. So you're part of the married guy group and, and Bill's been married for a long time. It reminded me of when your wife doesn't really answer your question, 
you have to read their body language. So AD shrugs and LeBron looks at us and kind of grins and he goes, that means yes. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll wait for you, AD. Like it was like this weird, you know, kind of emotional vibe where it was like, these guys are together so much that they know how to read one another. And, and it was basically him telling his buddy like, okay, I'll wait for you. I don't want you to have to take a lonely walk back. So they just seem to have a good thing. And that makes this experience easier. And in a small way, this might be a stretch, but it's like, I can relate a little bit. You know, this week we had a new couple of new bubble entrants uh, reporter wise, you know, some of my better friends in the business who, uh, who are now part of this. And next thing you know, there's, uh, a little more pep in your step and, and, and you're finding a way to, to do good work. So that dynamic does not hurt the Lakers at all. Sam, before we let you go, uh, can we get a, can we get a pick on this series? Um, we're talking to you, the Lakers are up two to one. It certainly seems like it's it, it, they're in control of this series. Do the Rockets get back into it or, or what, what do you, what do you anticipate is going to happen here? Yeah. I mean, I would be picking the Lakers, you know, do the Rockets get back in? I mean, they've got, like you said earlier, they, they you know, they haven't had that game, where they they get 53s up and and actually hit at a decent clip. So, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say uh, that it's all of a sudden Lakers in five. Um, But it does appear that they've kind of withstood Houston's first punch, figured a few things out, figured out the speed, made some adjustments. And, uh, you know, I I think the Lakers advance. But uh, I think, you know, hopefully it's a little more back and forth because, Again, you go back to the viewing experience. These particular players, LeBron, AD, Russ, James, even the role guys, there's some amazing role players in this series to watch, you know, kind of them in their craft. PJ Tucker is one of my favorite guys to watch. Watching the physicality that comes with him trying to guard AD on one possession and LeBron on the next. Um, so uh, just a lot of layers to this series, a lot of incredible basketball players, but it's uh, a long answer to your question. I would, I would be picking the Lakers here. Yeah, I, I'd agree. Uh, I think that, but I also think, like you said, this is at least a six-game series. I think Houston is going to get one more, and if you get it to six, you're dangerous. Um, and this is, they're more dangerous than Portland. Like this, I know this is going on the same roadmap of that Portland first round series where Portland gets the first one, just like Houston did. Lakers stabilize. Lakers take the next two. They're kind of seizing control of the series. Um, but it's not that Portland was like a dying team. It seemed like at the time, just so exhausted. And yes, you can see a little bit of the exhaustion and Harden, but I, I still think Houston has a counterpunch or two left in them in this series. Now game four is big, you know, they do not want to go down three, one. Um, but yeah, no, I, this, I'm in no way looking ahead to Lakers Clippers right now from a Lakers perspective. I feel a lot safer saying Clippers are going to take down nuggets than I do. Lakers are definitely by Houston. Well, and I think one important note about Game 3, and um, you touched on it earlier, Slater, the, the Rockets were without Daniel House. And, you know, I know that that is not a household name hey. necessarily, but, but I mean, that is a key member of their rotation. They were down to eight guys last night. Ben McLemore had to play a bigger role than normal. I think that impacted what the Rockets were able to do and their legs a little bit over the course of those 48 minutes. So if, if he is back for Game game four um you know that's obviously a, a boost to the rockets and and so i mean it's just something to watch in terms of their rotations because they play a, a tight a tight ro- rotation as it is well and and you know you got to be careful not to get too caught up in this but the other distinction i would make between the rockets and the blazers to your points later is that we talk about the arc of the careers of these particular stars the level of intensity and emotion and desire on the rocket side 
I mean, Damian Lillard is, you know, one of the baddest basketball men on the planet, but he, you know, in terms of where he's at in his career, he's still got a lot of time ahead of him. Russ, in particular, has even more of a crazed look in his eye than normal. Now, that doesn't, by any means, typically equate to good basketball, but it does equate to physicality. It does equate to defense. It does equate to leadership and to his voice. And again, I can't tell if he has taken you know, that part of his operation up a notch or if it's just more augmented because we are, again, watching it so closely. But um, don't sleep on at all the idea that you know, James and Russ, they, they want this really, really, really badly. And they 100% believe that they can take this Lakers team out. Well, Sam, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to uh, – thank you so much for stepping away from your uh... – Locked door crisis and uh, letting taking us on a walk around the bubble with you. I mean, it's been a pleasure to 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 be part of the sweltering heat and humidity and seeing no one interesting on this walk. Thank you very much for sharing the experience with us. Yes, of course, guys. Thanks for having me. I was going to say I'm officially dying, so <laughs> call the authorities if you know my GPS stops moving on my phone. Uh, I, perfect timing. I just completed the lap. And so uh, I'll be running to the closest AC. But thanks, well, guys. Appreciate well, you're it. no doubt on your way to another great one-on-one interview that we look we'll look forward to reading on the Athletic. Um, Sam, please join us again uh, as the playoffs uh, wear on, assuming the Lakers are still in it, which right now it feels like they will be. And uh, for Anthony Slater, I'm Bill Oram. Thanks to Sam Amick for joining us. This has been the Forum Club, part of the Athletics NBA Podcast Network. Subscribe, listen to the Athletic Podcast, read the Athletics. Some really exciting new stuff happening uh, on the app. Check out the new app. And we crossed the threshold, the long, the long-awaited, much-anticipated one million subscriber threshold. If you are not one of them, you can be number one million and one. Thank you for listening.